your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today, what principles guide them, how they mentor others to achieve success, and more. Hello, this is Carrie Stamp, and you are listening to the Business in Paradise podcast. I have a great guest today. My guest is the chairman of the Palm Beach North Chamber of Commerce and the founder and president of JRC Consulting, John Carr. John, welcome to the Business in Paradise podcast. Thank you, Carrie. It's an honor to be here. I greatly appreciate you having me on. Hey, John, what we'd like to do today is learn a little bit about who you are, uh, what your background is, what's made you tick, and then talk about where you see yourself going in the future, where you see Palm Beach County and business in Palm Beach County going. And I know you're a really great person to share some of these ideas with us as the chairman of the Chamber of Commerce of or the Palm Beach North Chamber of Commerce. So, John, tell me where you're from and uh, where you grew up. Well, Carrie, I grew up here locally in Palm Beach County. I was actually went to Rolling Green Elementary, uh, Lantana Junior High, Lake Worth High School. So this is where I grew up. I grew up down here. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I moved to what we called back then the north end of the county, what we call now Palm Beach North, and fell in love and haven't left. So I've been up in this area, in Palm Beach North area, uh, since I was 18, which was a while ago. Um, and I really enjoy it up here. But I was originally, I was born in New York, and my family brought me here when I was four. So this is where I'm from. So you come up to the uh, Palm Beach uh, North area, and after uh, high school, uh, do you start your career or do you go to college somewhere? Nope. Started my career. Uh, I was very entrepreneurial right even in high school. So I was working for my father, and he, uh, we had some gas stations you know, your local uh, Amicos that we had. And, and I was always doing something entrepreneurial. I always had some sort of company going on, whether it was detailing companies, landscape companies, always had something moving. Wow. John, I, I know you eventually start a sales career after you're uh, no longer working with your dad. Tell me how you got into uh, this, this sales world. Well, it's actually, I think it's a funny story. My you know, growing up and working for your dad. And I said, you know, I know more than my father knows. That's what we all think. And I decided to go out on my own and I wanted to start my own business. So I started selling uh, hats and sunglasses. So I connected with a guy down in um, Hollywood, Florida, and we started traveling uh, all over the state and country selling uh, biker material and sunglasses and hats. So I followed bikers around for, for a few years um, after I left working for my dad. What was uh, that like? That, <laughs> that, that had to be pretty wild. We're talking about like Harley bikers. You're following yeah. Around? Yeah. So bike week, Sturges, Lanconia, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I really wouldn't. It was a great, it was a great experience. Uh, but it, I, I learned that it probably wasn't for me long-term. Um, it's, it's definitely a different lifestyle. 
Um, not that it's bad. It was just a different lifestyle being on the road um, and being a vendor. Essentially, you would buy these tables and or rent these tables at these uh, festivals. And then, and then you'd move on to the next one. And, and it was fun. It just was not, it definitely wasn't where I wanted to uh, continue. Wow. You do that for a few years. You, you decide to get off the road. Uh, I'm not going to be the guy following the bikers around anymore. What came next? So I answered an ad, a small ad in the um, Daytona newspapers. My mom lived in Daytona. Daytona was a good headquarters for me because it was centrally in the state and my supplier in Hollywood, we would meet there and that's how I would kind of distribute and go all over the place with all my hats and sunglasses. And so I answered a small little ad. It said uh, sales job uh, wanted protected territory and it was a protected territory. So I decided to take a, a look at it. So John, you answer this blind ad and what's the, what, type of work is the blind ad for is it selling knives is it selling books <laughs> door to door what are they no, asking for i go out i buy a i don't know it was probably a 79 dollar suit at sears and i go for this sales job and it was to sell copiers it was to get in the copier world so i go i meet with this guy and his name was jim and um, so we have this interview and then he calls me back to interview me again. And, and he's like, I have like 20 people that want this job. And so he makes me an offer. He makes, you know, offers me the job. And my whole purpose of getting this job was just to kind of save a little money, get grounded then call my dad up and grovel for my job back working for him was the whole plan. And <laughs> I loved, uh, I loved the industry and I, and I took off. And I was very fortunate. The owner, uh, his name was Angelo, Angelo Bequicchio, became a mentor of mine. He really took me to a different level when it came to sales. I was always in sales, uh, but that gentleman there really taught me, in my opinion, the art of building relationships and, and learning how to ask for the business properly. Yeah. Aside from Angelo, John, were there some other people that you referred to. So when I think about my journey, kind of going through uh, people management, developing relationships, I think about people like Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and all of the uh, Nightingale Conant type material that I listened to over the years. Uh, is there anybody that you think has been really influential to you as part of your sales journey? You know, I've listened to them all. And I, I think there's two people that really come to mind. One is obviously Zig Ziglar. He he was at a conference and I was very fortunate to be at this conference. And I remember him saying that the most important thing in sales was home court advantage. And it really wasn't just sales. It was um, in, in business in general that you needed the home court advantage. So he says, anybody know what home court advantage is? And I raised my hand and I thought I knew the answer. And I said, Yes, it's uh, it's when you build your business from your home and you start there and then you grow and and he chuckled and he said, no, it means that you have your home in order, that your family is in order, your spiritual beliefs are in order. Of course, he said, God, uh, God's in order and you have your home in order. And I will tell you at that time, my home probably wasn't in as much order as I thought it was. So one of the first things I did was I came home from that conference. I was gone for about four days and, and made sure that my family and my home was in, in order. And, and, and that's important to me to this day 
the other one is, I don't know if you ever heard of him, he's, he's a gentleman named Les Brown. He's out of Miami. He's a speaker. So when I first started JRC Consulting Group, I, you know, I needed people to help me. So I hired a couple coaches. Uh, Les Brown was one of them. And I remember I had access to him pretty much 24-7. And I was going to speak at this big event. It was in Orlando. And they gave me 35 minutes to speak. So I was all excited. And then the day before the event, they called me up and they said, John, uh, we, we hate to tell you this, but we got another speaker that came in. He's an international speaker. So your, your time slot is moved. And not only that, but you only get 15 minutes. So I called uh, Les Brown immediately and said, Les, what do I do? And he laughed at me and said, John, if you can't get your message across in two minutes or less, you need to find a new message. And that taught me a lot about making sure that I got my message uh, across quickly. So Les Brown and Zig Ziglar are probably the two of the named people that are out there. But I've been very fortunate, Carrie. I, I've had a lot of local people, a lot of people that I look up to in, in the community that I've been very fortunate to have some really smart people around me. Yeah, I'm sure you have. So John, I can't believe I, I always wanted to see Zig Ziglar in person. And you actually got to see him. You got to uh, ask a question. And uh, you also uh, got to uh, learn a valuable lesson from uh, Zig. And the famous thing that Zig says that I think has been kind of a mantra for me is you can get anything you want in your life if you help enough people get what they want out of life. And I'm sure you've heard Zig say that quite a few times. Yeah, that, it, is, it is so true. You know, and you and I both know that we're both involved locally and in our community. And, you know, nothing really matters unless we're helping others for me. That's the way I look at it. So, John, you start in copier sales and it was easy, right? You just uh, walked into every business and they were all like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for you to come in and sell me a copier. What was that like <laughs> in the first year? Did you make yeah, any money? Yeah, I did make some money, but uh, it was, I wish it was that easy. No, they were, this was pretty much my first day. They handed me some blank business cards. They said, there's a hundred cards there. Write your name on every single one of them. Then you go out and you got to trade business cards. You're going to come back with a hundred new cards. And then when you're finished with that, we'll give you a hundred more that you can fill out and, and go. They so, literally said, write your name. Yeah, they did. They did. Wow. So I did. I, you know, I was like, okay, whatever, I'll go out. So I sat at the desk and wrote my name and Carrie, you know me, my handwriting is not the best handwriting in the world, but I did the best. And uh, so I filled out these hundred cards and I hit the street and I came back, not that day, but the next afternoon I came back with a hundred cards and I threw them on the manager's desk. And I said, here's a hundred cards. Give me a hundred more. I got to I got to go. I got to get out there. And he looked at me like I was nuts. He said, where did you get all these? What did you do? Stop at the chamber and just pick up a hundred cards. And I said, no, look, the, all the addresses are the same. You know, I'm not going to do that. And no, it was not um, easy. It was, that was a great, great lesson in cold calling that there's a better ways to do business. I think sometimes you still have to do it in certain aspects, but definitely better ways to do it. Well, how um, did yeah. you get the cards? Oh, uh, <laughs> Well, some of them, there was literally no soliciting signs that said, if this is a copier salesperson, there's an attack dog or something. There was all kinds of stuff like focused that, of course, I thought it was me, uh, but the industry itself that they did not want copier salespeople in their doors. So I was like, all right, so obviously there's been a lot of people here, but I would walk in 
And what I had to do, Carrie, was figure out what each industry had their, like had their stick, right? So if you walked into a lawyer's office and you asked to see the lawyer about their copier equipment, you know, they throw your card in the garbage. So I really had to figure out how do you get an appointment? And that was really what it was, was I didn't ask to see anybody. I was just walking in the door to schedule an appointment to determine to see if I could help them in any way. And it was really, once I started doing that, it took me, I don't know, I don't know how many, but it took a little while for me to learn each industry. So whether it was the lawyers or it was a printing company or a CPA firm or a financial firm, I needed to learn what was their pain point. And then I would come in and say to them, hey, I'm here to help the financial firm with whatever it was at that point and in that time for their pain point. And today it's very different. It's all it's mostly about software and electronic filing. But back then it was about paper and uh, churches. Same thing with churches. So I had to learn how to, you know, when you go out and prospect, when do you prospect churches? You don't do it on a Friday. You have to do it on a certain day. And so you know, you really just went in and talked to them about their pain point and ask for help. I, I, if you ask for help, people will give it to you. I did learn that. <laughs> so I would always, that's how I'd start. I was wondering if you could help me. And uh, some people were receptive and some people weren't, but most were. It's a, it's a great strategy. Everybody wants to be helpful. John, when you and I met, which was probably about a dozen years ago now, it was because you had sold a copier to a fantastic golf course that's here in the, actually in Martin County, but uh, not, not too far across the county line road in Martin County. And one of uh, my friends who I played golf with at my club was also another one of your clients. And you had invited him and he had said, hey, Carrie, do you want to come and join uh, this guy that I know? We're going out to play this uh, fantastic golf club. And I was always game for that. So uh, we met uh, probably a dozen or so years ago got to uh, know each other over the years. And at that time, you were working for a company in uh, West Palm Beach. Was that the same company that you started with or did you eventually make a transition? No, I did make a transition. So in Daytona, Angelo, the entrepreneur that he was always, you know, he was always buying companies. And I guess I was with him for about a year, almost a year. And he came to me and he said, Hey, I really want you to one, run one of my companies for me. I'm getting ready to buy a company in South Florida. Uh, do you know anything about, you know, the West Palm area? I see that's where you're from. Can you tell me a little bit about West Palm? I don't know. About 90 days later, I moved here to take over one of his companies for him. But Angelo's method was used typically to buy it and then sell it. So I was there for a little while. And then when it was time to, to leave, that's when I joined the company in West Palm Beach. Uh, back then it was called Halsey and Griffith, which is now HGI Technologies. But there really wasn't, I knew that that was the company I needed to go work for mainly because of the family that had owned it. And I used to be their customer. And so how long were you there, John? About eight years, just around eight years. Uh, Angelo did call me up after about five years and he said, Hey, John, I got another company and uh, I need your help with, we want to, we want to do something with this company. And so I went to Robbie, the owner of HGI and said, Hey, I have this opportunity to go help Angelo build this other uh, office equipment dealership. What do you think? And he was like, you'd be foolish not to take it. And so we parted on, you know, obviously great ways and went and helped him get this company to uh, sell. Wow. 
John, at some point you also started your own uh, consulting company. Tell, tell me a little bit about what the focus of your company was. And we, we used you as a facilitator at one of our company-wide retreats. But I know that you did a lot more than that. Give me a little bit of overview of what JRC Consulting does. Sure. Thank you, Kerry. So we, you know, when I was finishing up with the company in uh, Brevard County, I knew that the copier industry was was a was a great industry, but I didn't think that's where I wanted to be forever. I, I really wanted to do something on my own. And, and the big thing was I loved helping people and I loved watching people be successful. Uh, so that's when, you know, I started JRC Consulting Group in 2008. And it was the main focus of it was mostly sales training on you know, how to build a business. And it didn't really matter which industry you're in. The, the processes are almost the same till you get to a certain point. Um, then I do think you need some people that have that specific industry experience in there. But for me, it was mostly about building a pipeline, building a referral network. And then it really morphed into some consulting side, going in and looking at businesses, what their entire sales team is doing as a whole, what their compensation packages were, how everything was laid out and and that's where it turned into and then you know companies were hiring me to come in and help rebuild their sales team and at times their entire company so john if you had to give business owners some advice on how to motivate and train their salespeople, what do you so think are some of the areas where we as business owners fall short and we should spend more of our time and money focusing on how we can make our people more productive. I think the biggest uh, misconception out there is that money drives people. So it drives some people, it drives drives me, uh, but it doesn't drive everybody. So there's not a one size fit all for for to, an answer to that question to motivate the people. It really depends on who you have. Uh, you know, for for me. You tell me that you're going to pay me X amount of dollars for whatever sales. I'm going to do whatever I can to make that. But the next guy be like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm content with making whatever it is that they're making. But time off or vacation time or, you know, a Friday off with, you know, with pay. So it really depends. I think the thing that people, that business people miss is you should talk to your staff, talk to the sales team as to, Get their feedback on it as to what they want, and then that'll help you because and make it their idea. Once you make it part of their idea and know that they had some skin in the game on it, they will embrace it more. And I think that's what a lot of business owners forget is that it, let them make that. There's so many times where I've had salespeople that work for me and I knew what I wanted. I just kind of wanted to direct them to, to give me that answer. And they would say something. I'd be like, oh, that's a great idea. And then the owner of the company would come to me and go, yeah, but John, that was your idea. I'm like, I don't care. He can have all the credit for it. It was his idea. Let him because then he bought in on it. And it was really, it was all about uh, for this particular person, it was having Fridays off. That was all he cared about. He didn't care about money. He just wanted Fridays off, which I didn't understand that. And if it made him more productive and it worked? <laughs> it did. He That's... got more finished and he sold more. His sales increased and he actually ended up making more money. He knew he, he only had to work. He only worked Monday through Thursday, that guy. And, you know, he was that steady person. You could always count on him for a certain amount of revenue. 
and it bumped him up, you know, about three to 5%. Whereas the previous years, he was either a little low or flat. And it was because he didn't want to be there. Wow. John, if you could uh, have a conversation with yourself uh, 20 years ago, as uh, you're going through your career, you're in kind of your growth phase, what advice would you give your younger self that you now know today and think that you should have focused on uh, a little bit more when you're a younger salesperson? I always thought I was going to be a, a lawyer. So education kind of hits me if, if 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, was there, I, was, uh, I was already out of that realm. So I would say mostly make sure that you have enough capital, uh, whatever you're going to start. So when I started JRC Consulting Group, yep, I had enough money to start it, but it really didn't have the marketing money I needed. It didn't have, I thought I did, and I did, just didn't do enough research. So that, that would be the biggest thing, I think. You're in a big group of people right there, John, that uh, started and thought we had enough capital. Yeah. And quickly realized that uh, this was a little bit harder than what we really expected. So I think that's great advice for new entrepreneurs. But sometimes if you just wait too long, you'll never get the capital. And if you have your back against the wall, you just realize you have to, you have to make it work. So do you set business goals for yourself, John? I do. You do. And how do you do that? Well, it, it depends. So let's get like right now. I know this time with everything's got to be changed, unfortunately, due to market conditions and, you know, the pandemic that is that is here that's, you know, affecting us. But I look at it as, all right, so what do I want my life to look like at the end of the year? So in, in 2019 in December, I do, it's like an inventory is really what I do. I take a look at what I did the previous year. What, what did we do in sales or what, you know, what did I do professionally and personally, but on the professional side of it. And then I just gauge it to say, how do I want to improve on it? So whether it's, financially do i want to have more sales do i want to spend more on marketing is there a certain market do i want to go after so for me it was really more about for 2020 was having a better quality of life having less customers same amount of money so it really it, it took it took me some time to figure out how i was going to be able to do that and then really focus on it and then have an accountability a partner having somebody that we get with i get together with him at least once a month, sometimes sometimes once a week. And we talk about what our goals are so that they're out there. And then we hold each other accountable for them. And I don't like calling them accountability partner. We're like mentors to each other more than anything. We just help each other. And it could sometimes it's not even about business. Sometimes it's about, he's a really good golfer. So sometimes it's about my golf game. How long have you been doing that? Oh, 10 years now. Really? Yeah. And so where was that an original idea or did somebody suggest that to you? Somebody suggested it to me. I wish I could remember who suggested it. I, re I really don't remember. I think in sales, most of the kind of like music, most of the original stuff is gone. We put a new twist to it. Even my sales training, if you look at my sales training, it's similar. It's, it's how we position it and how we uh, deliver the information, customize it for each client. But yeah, I don't know where I got it from, but I'll tell you one thing, it's, it really helps me. Uh, and it's not to, for someone to say, John, you're terrible. You didn't make your, you didn't, you're not going to hit your goals. It's, it's to really go after it and make sure that I'm hitting the right goal. And I'll tell you, 
one and I switch accountability partners, by the way, it's not the same person for 10 years. So I had it and I remember I called them up and, and I said, I'm so excited. I met my goal. And he literally said to me, Oh my gosh, that's awful. I said, awful. What are you talking about? And he said, John, it's March and you hit your goal for the year. I'm like, dude, I killed it. And he goes, well, you may have killed it, but I think that you, you set your goals too low. Uh, so we did an adjustment, man, in the middle of the year and we figured it out. And so I changed my goals. And, and by the end of that year, I even had more, you know, more clients, more revenue. And it was really because, okay, why did I, I didn't think I would do as good as I did. So we just had to adjust it. And, and that's, so that's where it all came from. Uh, sometimes you just need somebody to give you that gut check. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, John, so how would you define if you're uh, success, if you're going about a process and you think, yes, I've nailed it, how would you define success? So if you asked me that 20 years ago, it would have been about money, right? Today, I think for me, if if a customer, obviously, so let's say as an example, I have a customer that wants to sign up with me. And obviously them saying yes is success, but for me, success is when they're happy at the end. So if a customer is very pleased, they want to refer me business. I think the referral part of it is, is speaks volumes. So you can get a customer once, but if you have a repeat customer and a customer that's getting you referrals, that's success to me. So John, you've had this uh, phenomenal career in sales. You've uh, developed uh, recently a relationship or you've been running the operations of a uh, construction business. Tell us a little bit about that. And I understand you're at this point in transition. What's next for you and what does your career look like now? Yeah, the ever evolving world of being an entrepreneur is definitely exciting. Yeah, I started working with a company and we did storm restoration. So five years ago, I got a referral from a chamber of commerce and I became a consultant for a storm restoration company. Eventually, within a couple of years, they asked me to join as an employee and I became an employee. I was managing director and I did recently resign. Contracts were up and I just felt it was time for me to move on. I, didn't, I felt like I did my job there and I did enough there. And so it's time to move on. So the next phase, I'm, you know, I'm real excited. I'm going to be joining a group. We're going to be starting a, there's a 48 year old company kind of ironic here because they're actually based in Daytona. Now think about that. Angelo really took me to that next level based in Daytona. I came back home. I'm going to be working with this company based out of Daytona since they've been around since 1948, a great general contracting company and roofing company, but they did not have an insurance restoration division. So we're going to be heading that up and that'll be starting here very shortly. Uh, We're going to have an office here in Palm Beach County. And our focus will be, which is what I love to do, is help others. So the insurance companies have uh, teams of people that come in and and help them. And so we're going to come in and we're going to help the business owners. So help condo associations to get what is rightfully owed to them on an insurance claim based on whatever happens from a weather event or a flood or fire, whatever it may be. We mostly focus on you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, hailstorms, things like that. We're, and so that's, that's what we're, that's our next step. I'm very excited. We're starting from the ground up. So we're really putting all the necessary pieces in place to be a, you know, a successful 
company adding another layer for the restoration side. So I'm real excited about it. That's great, John. Fighting for the people. Fantastic. So, um, you know, there's a good friend of ours. I don't mean to cut you off, Carrie, but there was a good friend of ours who's no longer here. And I hear him all the time saying to me, what are you doing today? And he would say, going to get a cup of justice, a full cup of justice. And, um, and that's what I really believe is there's a lot of people out there that need help when they have an insurance claim. And our, our mutual friend did it too, right? And, and, and I will tell you that I sat with him and talked to him for hours when, when I first told him what I was doing and he loved it. He thought it was a perfect fit for me because we're going to go out. You're right. We're going to help. We're going to fight and, and help people right that, that needs it because there are a lot of people that, that, do, that are in this industry that fight insurance companies that are there for the wrong reason. Well, I'm there for the right reason. I just want to rebuild what's rightfully owed to these building owners. And there's so many times, Carrie, that, that they're not. Uh, and it just, it's, yeah. So I want to go fight and I'm excited. So I get to help people and, you know, make a living at it at the same time. You know, John, our listeners may have already guessed that you're talking about our mutual friend, uh, Adam Donner, may he rest in peace. And uh, Adam was a guy that uh, lived life to the fullest. He was definitely an acquired taste. <laughs> and uh, he was somebody that uh, you just had to realize that everything was right there out in front of you. You had to take him for what he was, but he had a great heart and he truly believed that what he was doing was helping people uh, get what was actually due to them as a result of being injured. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll take that from Adam and use it to uh, fuel our legacies. Thank you for that, Adam. So John, um, you've had so much success in business. You've been a great salesperson. You got a new venture uh, coming up shortly and you've risen through the ranks in business in Palm Beach County. And one of the things about this podcast is uh, it's called Business in Paradise for a reason. I chose to live here. I feel so fortunate that I get to do business in, in Palm Beach County. What does it mean to you? We're lucky. I believe I'm lucky. Uh, we, you know, I traveled all over the country and the world doing business, you know, like you, uh, not as far as you, but I've, I've traveled all over and, and there's no place like home. There's no place like Palm Beach North. Um, I think the opportunity that's here is uh, extraordinary. Deep down, and I say that because, you know, the people that are here, the, the people that live here, the people that are here on a regular basis truly, truly care about the community and truly care about giving back to others who may not have everything that they need to survive. And I don't know where else. I've not, I haven't seen that anywhere else. And I've especially, specifically all over the state of Florida. There's some great places in the state. I'm not knocking every corner that I've been at for a long period of time has its own character in a great way. But what I love about Palm Beach County is we are so giving. It really is just, it's a, it's a giving community and, and not just financially. I mean, I I've made calls to, you know, leaders of this community and say, Hey, I'm starting something new. And they've opened their arms to me. And, and I've, you know, so many times they're asking for help. Uh, you know, I've called many people and, and nobody's ever said no to me. Nobody's ever not wanted to help me from, from when I was a kid, even when I was 
16 years old and Jim Kokana, who owned Palm Beach Exterminating, you know, when I told him I was going to go leave working for my dad at 16, you notice it was a couple of years. I stayed there for a couple of years, but I had this whole thought of what I was going to do. And I remember Jim looking at me saying, John, do you want some advice? And I was like, sure. And he said, don't burn any bridges, you know, and you go through this. And as a 16 year old kid watching a guy who rolls up in a Mercedes every day, that meant a lot to me. And this guy was a successful businessman. I used to see him on TV and that's our community to me is that we want to help each other. We all, we might be competitors sometimes, but the majority of us want to help each other be successful. Absolutely. And John, I know your dad and I, I know that the two of you have a great relationship now and it might actually be because uh, you chose not to work. (laughs) It probably is. We, you know, we never, I don't know when I left, it was a little, he thought I was crazy and he probably didn't see eye to eye with me, but we, we do. I never stopped communicating with him and I'm, I made sure that, you know, I still go to my dad today for, for advice. I still don't always take the advice he gives me, but I still always bounce stuff off him. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky. He's a, he's a very entertaining guy. <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> John, there came a point where you got involved in the uh, chamber of commerce. And at that time it might've been called the, what was it called? What was it even called at the time when you got involved? So with the Palm Beach North, it was called the Northern Palm Beach County Chamber of Commerce. And I believe Ed Easy was the interim president. It was back in 1998 is when I joined the chamber. Wow. And uh, so you start with the chamber. uh, You're around the chamber all the time. Uh, You were even doing networking events and networking discussion, leading networking discussions for the chamber. And one of the things that I've always admired about you is how many people you know and how far your reach extends. You can say John Carr to anybody uh, that is in the business community in Palm Beach County, and they absolutely know who you are. How did you get involved in doing that? And how did you teach networking to the members at that time of the Northern Palm Beach Chamber? Well, remember I told you about cold calling and how much cold calling I did. And I said there was a better way and, and this is really the better way. It takes a little longer sometimes, but here's what I learned about referrals and referral networking specifically. Let's just stick with through the chamber is that your closing ratio goes up and your margins go up. So you might have less sales, but like, like less quantity, but the quality is much higher. So it, it makes it much more profitable to spend the time on networking. So I started and I realized real quick when I, you know, we bought the company down here in Palm Beach County and I dove right in. I became a member of two chambers of commerce right away. And I said, I'm going to focus on those two. And then I joined a networking group that specific whole sole purpose was nothing but referrals. Like it was very strict and it was all about referrals. Um, one person per profession. So I, I did those three things and, and I worked diligently on those three networking activities and built relationships with people and all those. And what ended up happening was it worked so well for me. And when people would hear that I don't cold call, they couldn't believe it. So the chamber um, had a program in place already that was similar to uh, what we called it um, networking to success is what my name was. They had something similar. So they asked me to come in and do a presentation 
to the membership and see if they liked it. And, you know, the ratings came back pretty good. They asked me to come back. So it was really about teaching people how to get the most out of the chamber because there were so many times I would hear people say, I didn't get anything out of it. So I, I, didn't, I don't like that. I wanted people to come in and realize, hey, I was able to be successful through a chamber. And these are some of the things. The chamber shouldn't be the only thing you do, but it, it should be a big part of what you do. And so now here we are almost 20 years or more than 20 years later uh, since you joined the chamber. It's now called the Palm Beach North Chamber of Commerce, and you're the chair. Tell us a little bit about that journey. You got on the board at some point. Uh, you got involved. You threw your name into the ring, or at least somebody grabbed you and threw you into the ring. Uh, what, what was that process like? You know, it's about caring about the organization. And I think that that's important. You know, I started off as, you know, being on the ambassador committee. I started off just doing whatever the chamber needed. Every time I went to the chamber, I asked what, what did they need? You know, a lot of people have a tendency to think that uh, you have to have a big budget to be involved in uh, board level uh, organizations. And in some cases you do, but not the Chamber of Commerce. It's about helping the business community. So, you know, I started off and just volunteered for everything that I was interested in and passionate about. So I think it's important to say that because it was genuine. My help was there to genuinely help business people. So me doing these uh, networking trainings, if I got business out of it, great, but that wasn't the purpose of it. The whole purpose of it was to help these members want to come back because I knew that if there was more members in the chamber, there was more opportunities in the long term for my business to grow. So just like any nonprofit, in my opinion, I think that you need to be there for the right reasons. So I started off as an ambassador and then I kind of went to the government affairs committee, our government affairs committee, which you know, I think we don't have less than 50 people in there now. When I first started going to that meeting, there was four of us. And and it just kind of grew. And then I met the right people there. You know, I met the leaders of the chamber back then were at that meeting. Now, that's not why I went. I was interested in my government affairs and how can the chamber, you know, have a voice. And then I moved on to uh, the Small Business Advisory Council and I was on that. So it was a process. It was a long process. And at times, like when I was asked to be on the board, um, I didn't say, I didn't raise my hand, but I just, I think they knew the writing was on the wall. I would be interested in being on the board. And so I was on the board and then an executive committee member, we went and we played golf one day and he just asked me, you know, a series of questions and being a business person, I kind of knew where he was going with these questions. And that year I was asked to serve on the executive committee as a director at large. That was a while ago, and I truly believe that the progression and when the time is right to be the, the chamber chairman, there, you know, at this particular chamber, there is no set in stone that if you're the secretary or the treasurer, then you're the chair elect. And I, I think that's a good thing. At first, I didn't think it was a good thing. <laughs> but as I've grown uh, with this organization, I realize there's reasons why they do that. And there and it's a good reason for that. So I'm proud to be the chamber chairman. Uh, I'll always be involved in this chamber as long as they'll have me. Um, we have a lot of great things going on. And, and it's it's not, listen, the pay, as Greg Leach would always say, the pay is just fabulous. There's a lot of zeros. Um, wait a minute, there's only zeros. But 
the gratitude of us helping the community is where, where it's really at. It's a lot of work being the, the chairman of the board. I can't, I, I was, I was not surprised, but I was a little surprised the the amount of work and time that it takes to uh, be the chairman of the board. I'm sure it's been like a second full-time job. Absolutely. Absolutely. So John, tell our listeners a little bit about what the chamber does, because I think a lot of people think that the chamber is just a place for business people to go and uh, talk to government officials or a place for business people to go network, but that's not really all of it, right? No, it is much more than that. And, and it really depends on the chamber too. I think each chamber has its own dynamic. Uh, I mean, I've been in part uh, or been a member of chambers all over the state and you know, each chamber has its, has its personality and has its purpose. Um, so the Palm Beach North Chamber, you know, has a purpose of like many things. They, they want the small businesses to grow. They want to keep the large businesses here. It's a very unique position. Most of the chambers in Palm Beach County have the same fight. Like it's quite ironic. When I was put on the board, I was JRC Consulting Group, small business. When I became chairman of the board, I worked for a very large firm, <laughs> venture, you know, venture. So it was very, um, how can we say it? It was like, oh, geez, you're supposed to be a small business. So there's that piece where we want to serve the small businesses, but we do have to remember we have to serve the large businesses as well. So what I mean by serving them is giving them what they need, whether it's advocacy or access to uh, certain resources that they just can't get on their own. You know, and it's really mostly access uh, when, when they're looking for that. But it's not just a place to network. That's part of it. The other part of it is we're a unified voice for you. So even if it's, you know, I'll use an example as FPL asked us to come speak on their behalf somewhere. And, and we agreed on what, what their um, initiative was. And we wanted to speak on that behalf. So it's, you know, and then we've had small businesses call us and ask us to help them with some legislative stuff that was going on in Tallahassee. And so it, it is a true unified voice for businesses along with resources to help you build your business, including networking, not just networking, but including networking. If you were a new member to the chamber, if you were giving advice to somebody that's just coming into the chamber, other than to get to know a guy like you or a guy like Bob Goldfarb, who can walk you around and introduce you pretty much to everybody in the room, what would you tell that person to get involved in? Um, the ambassador committee. That's where they need to start. What do they do? So they're the people that, you know, will be at the business after hours, you know, some of the networking events, selling raffle tickets. Uh, they'll be helping with check-in, volunteering at tables to they hand out. I, actually, tomorrow I'm meeting with one of the ambassadors and they, they tell you about the chamber a little bit and how you can be successful in the chamber. To me, you know, it's all rewarding and it's very rewarding being the, the, the chairman of the board. It really is. But there's something to be said about the ambassador committee. You're, you're the front lines. Um, I'm so glad I did that. I was on the ambassador committee for, I think, eight years, nine years. And, and that's where I would tell them to start because that's where, that's where the people can connect you. And then you'll learn so much about the chamber and what the chamber's, you know, personality is. Because listen, our chamber is different than Stuart Martin Chamber and, and the Hope Sound Chamber. And it's actually different than the West Palm Chamber. They also, that's the best way to go, my opinion. 
John, this has been a fascinating conversation about your background and your history. Before we go, I just have to ask you about some of the most important things in your life. So in addition to being a son, uh, we talked about your dad a little bit. Uh, we didn't talk about your mother, but uh, tell us about your family. Tell us about uh, your lovely wife. And um, I understand you're also a grandfather. <laughs> I am a grandfather. Very proud. Uh, yeah, no, I still, my mom lives in Stewart. She's close by. I get to talk to her and see her as much as possible. We have a great relationship. And, uh, you know, I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm married to a wonderful woman who uh, she, re she really helped me from for me helped me take that entrepreneurial piece to that next level so we're a true partnership and i've done the same for her she has said that uh those aren't my words and she said that that we really work so i'm lucky with that um i do have a, a daughter um who now lives in new york and it's very interesting i told uh, dr robert avosa some time ago i said you know you need to do something about the pay of teachers here you're going to lose teachers you're going to lose teachers and I never thought that six months after that, my daughter would be calling me to say, Dad, I'm moving to New York because the school system just offered me almost double what Palm Beach County is offering me to be a school teacher. Uh, so I do have a daughter and a granddaughter um, who is, I call her kryptonite because whatever, whatever Victoria wants, she gets. I mean, I, I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And and she always says, Papa, why are you always working? And, and I said, do you remember when you told mommy, Papa would buy that for me? And I, she said, yes. And I said, that's why I work, so I can buy it for you. <laughs> She's got you wrapped around her little finger. She does. She does. That's great. So this has been a fantastic interview today and discussion with the chairman of the Palm Beach North Chamber of Commerce, John Carr. My name is Carrie Stamp. You've been listening to the Business in Paradise podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principal Wealth Advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Carrie Stamp & Company is located at 110 Bridge Road, Dequesta, Florida, 33469. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Thank you.